0: Donatas podcast, Donatas Urbonas, Rydzis Višniauskas, as as always, uh, after a short break, it's been a while since our last episode, but we are here again to talk about the uh, main things uh, in the EuroLeague and EuroLeague action. Yep, it's been a couple of weeks since our last podcast, but there is a really strong reason why
1: we had this short break and I have to say congratulations to you and your family, uh, Donatas. Thank you became a father so how as, does it feel as uh,
0: crazy as it sounds are you getting any sleep um uh, i'm in kobe regime right now uh, <laughs> I, I remember there was a story that uh, kobe was sleeping four or five hours uh, per day so for me now it's the best case scenario to sleep at least four or f- five hours usually it's something around three hours but surprisingly i'm okay with that uh, before it was like if i don't get it uh, at least six or seven hours to sleep, I'm I'm dead the next day. But now I'm kind of adjusted. I have no idea where that energy comes from. Maybe it's that adrenaline still uh, which helps me. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 surviving. But you already put Luka Doncic jersey on a baby, right? No pressure, <laughs> no pressure for my kid. But but yeah, I have some expectations uh, for that young fella. Yeah. I also have some uh, advanced stats from my early experience. Okay. Uh, I witnessed the highest uh, poop per one meter uh, ratio I ever (laughs) seen. Uh, It was the second or third day in in the hospital. And there was a short distance, probably three meters between the table where you can change the diapers and the sink. So Matas managed to poop three times (laughs) from that table to the uh, sink and it, it, at first, it happened changing the diaper. Then my wife took him, and on his way, he made a had a poop on the floor. It it looked like a cake, you know. All these uh, early young uh, dogs poops, you know, they look like a right. nice cake. Oh, I do know that. Yeah, yeah and the last one was uh, over the sink. We were like uh, <laughs> washing his uh, small butt. And he was pooping all over again. Yeah. So, so welcome to our poop cast. Yeah, welcome <laughs> to our poop cast. But
1: in general, is is it fair to say that uh, talking about the end, advanced stats, the plus minus ratio is positive?
0: Um, so far, it's negative. <laughs> but <laughs> I know that it's a long season. It's yeah. the season of uh, it's a journey of uh, a lot of ups and downs. Uh, a journey of runs. Yeah. And the beginning was hard. I lost five kilos in five days. And uh, so far, we are only negative at night, uh, because Matas is not giving uh, us any sleep. But I hope that in the end of the season, uh, we will get in that plus zone. Well, you know, as as
1: the great Sharuna Sisikiewicz says, we have to be ready to suffer. (laughs) So, you have to be ready to suffer, make some sacrifices, (laughs) but overall, I I think it's a... Big thing, I mean a uh, huge change in your life and I'm really happy for you and your family. So yeah, and con- and it's congratulations. It's
0: really more important than LKL semifinal game against <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure.
1: So you're a journalist, right? So if on the day um on, on, on that day, the birth of your child and there would have been a semifinal game, <laughs> you would not be in the press conference, obviously.
0: It depends. You, you would skip that what kind of semifinal? LKL or the Euroleague? Well, it Even in the EuroLeague, I would I mean, skip that on. semifinal. On, yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry, EuroLeague, but it's not There's
1: worth it. There's no question. But now you can... I mean, you can be legit. If, if Shara's would approach you and say, do you have children? You could say, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> okay, nice. It's really nice uh, to have you back, actually. I think this podcast for you should be something like vacation. Oh, yeah. It's uh, a
0: <laughs> good, great reason to refresh my mind yeah yeah. because now every day is the same no weekends you approach the weekend the same mentality it's like game by game i don't look forward uh two weeks uh, later (laughs) i just look at that as a day by day stuff changing diapers like a basketball coach Yes, yes yes day by
1: day day by day training after training (laughs) game after game the big question is did you manage to watch any basketball during Uh. these few weeks
0: it was different. I managed to watch some of the games, but for sure it was different. I had an experience where my baby was crying at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I just put on Olympiacos and Unix game, but I watched only the first quarter of that game, which was really great. I, I saw the end of the game, but it was during the time uh, Matas was sleeping, so of course my schedule changed a bit. Uh, I watched uh, way less games when uh, usual, but uh, with some time I will, you know, uh, get in my rhythm. But of course, I watched, almost two times, I watched the game of the season. Right. On right. FS uh, Barcelona. And uh, uh, it was crazy game in terms of the level, in terms of conditions, in terms of hype, Emotions. Uh, and before talking about FS and Barca, I want to ask you something. Uh, we heard what Jakub Sekiskok, uh, the assistant coach of FS, who s- stepped up uh, to replace Ataman when he was ejected again. What he told about refs, we read the Anadolu FS uh, statement, press release, about the referee's job. Uh, we saw what was going on on Twitter, but we didn't hear Ergen Ataman... <laughs> You uh, didn't. <laughs> speaking about that situation. So, Rites, what would be <coughs> Ergin's uh, thoughts after the game about the referees and their uh, impact on the outcome of the game? It's a shame. It's big shame. Euroleague, put these referees, fall out, my best player. There was no foul.
1: Shane, why? Why you give him five foul? Why you give him fifth foul? There was no foul. It's big shame. These referees, I don't know whether they want to decide the game or not. They made these decisions. They went against another UFS. We will not tolerate this. We will go back next week, crush our opponents, and we will win the EuroLeague in the Final for this season because of this. Referees are a disgrace. Two technicals. Yes, in, in a row. In one play. In a row. That was unfair, actually. But uh, the thing is, actually... Uh, These two technicals were... After a good call. After a foul, which was an obvious one, applies on Brandon Davis. Yeah, But of course, the emotions were there, not because of this one whistle. Mm -hmm. It was a sequence of things that happened in between. But really, it I don't think it's fair to say that the referees punished Anadolu Efes. Barcelona suffered as well. Nikola Mirotic was fouled out. The end of the fourth quarter... They gave a foul. The fifth foul
0: was good call. The fifth foul, yes, but because the fourth he was the fourth, the fourth one was terrible. The call. End, but it, but was it was the out of bound play actually by Larkin, if you remember well. Yeah, he hit the ball. Mirotić hit the ball, and it went out of bounds uh, from Larkin's uh, leg. I think it was the end of the fourth quarter. Barça yeah. was up by two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the a crucial uh, call
1: actually. And there was nothing. Yeah, Mirotić made a clean play on defense, and, and yes, and the ball yeah. went out of bounds o- off Shane Larkin. Which brings me to to this thing about coaches' challenge. In the NBA, if you have your challenge, you could use that, and the referees could see on the replays that there was no foul on Miritis. Oh, so they can eliminate the foul. Call? In, in the NBA, you can challenge everything. Everything, okay. If it's a questionable foul call, you challenge. If you have timeouts left, Uh because obviously if the challenge is not successful, you lose one of your timeouts. So it's the end of the game, the very last seconds of the game. Not necessarily you still have your challenge, but if you do in the NBA, you could challenge that. And you could ask the referees to watch replays. And after the replays, I think it's clear and obvious. There there was no foul on Mirotic. So that's one thing. Another thing, how did Mirotic get into foul trouble? There were really questionable calls in the first half of the mm. game when he got his first, second, and third foul. So,
0: yes, I, I, ag- d- I
1: agree that his fifth foul was yeah. was clear, but I the ones before, I don't know.
0: I don't remember about early calls for Mirotić, but, for example, uh, to compare with Shane Larkin, he got, like, three cheap calls. Uh, third, fourth, and five, uh, fifth fouls were just terrible calls. Especially the last one. he As he said, it was a bullshit and he didn't even touch. Uh, it was Kyle Kuric, yeah, uh, Kyle if Kuric. I'm right. And at least three calls were really terrible. I mean, but my point is that but yeah. It, it was
1: bad refereeing, but it was for both, both teams. ways. Both it, ways it went. It was both not ways. like the refs were killing Anadolo FS. And what Ataman did, I don't know. I think he just It was his mistake. He couldn't handle his emotions in the heat of the moment. Shadows also got a technical, but it was way earlier in the game. It was And a it was
0: also a good reaction because it was terrible call. It was I think Bobois was fouled. But the thing is that he hit his uh, leg by himself. So yeah. that was uh, why Shadas was appealing. But even if Uh, Ataman was wrong with being, let's say, on fire that much. It wasn't, you know, he didn't deserve getting two technicals in a row.
1: I don't know. I don't know what was said. Uh, I I just saw how he was acting Mm. and he was acting like crazy, really. He got the first technical, then he just couldn't calm down. Uh, Adrian Mormon was there trying to Uh, actually...
0: Distracting after that, after um, the second call, the, the the problem what pisses me off is that when he got the second technical, he didn't get even he even didn't get any warning that okay Ergin, uh, thanks for your emotions, thanks for your words, but if you will continue doing the same thing, I mean you're out of the game. And it was like a very silent call. I think that Ataman didn't even notice that he got a second uh, technical. Yeah. Uh, I saw that La Monica was also a bit surprised because that was a French referee. Yeah, Mehdi fala Actually, the lineup of referees was amazing. La Monika, Di fala They are great referees. Well, you could ask some
1: American players, do they think uh, uh, is Lamonica <laughs> that great?
0: <laughs> he's good. He's solid. <laughs> but, I mean, there are some players... But that even great good. ones make some mistakes and the... Uh, the main thing about these refs, the main issue was that they were, mm, let's say, they became stars of that game. And that's the worst part of a referee's job. You cannot be a bigger than the actual game. And to to make stars like Larkin and Mirotic fall out in this way, that's already a bad refereeing. Ejection of Ergin Ataman is kind of a common thing. It's not the first time
1: it happened, so maybe for for, for the referees, they also knew that Ataman has been ejected from games before. It was easier for them to make this decision. Um, For example, it's hard to imagine Pablo Lasso getting ejected after one technical getting another. Mm. But uh, you actually mentioned this, uh, and I think it's a really interesting topic. Larkin and Miratich were fouled out of the game. Arguably two of the best players on the court. Well, you could say Mitsich is the MVP, but Shane Larkin, we know that two of five best players w- w- when in the when league he probably. gets hot. He's unstoppable. So these are the stars. These are the main players of your league. And I always like referring to the American game, mm-hmm. to the NBA and how the Americans see the game. They couldn't imagine a game where um, LeBron James and Kevin Durant get fouled out because of silly, questionable calls. It's impossible. It doesn't happen. It's not normal. Mm. It shouldn't happen in EuroLeague. Uh, I mean, I'm 100% for a fair game. It doesn't matter if you're a superstar or or you're a role player. If you make mistakes, you make mistakes. If you foul somebody, it should be called. But we're talking about questionable calls. We're talking about not even 50-50 situations. We're talking about Miraitich's fourth foul, which was nothing. And Sh- Shane Larkin's fifth foul, which was also nothing. Mm-hmm. It seemed to me like Shane Larkin's fifth foul was sort of a compensation for Barca. Because, we, well, m- we called Miraitich's fifth. Sorry for that. Now we're going to eliminate yeah. Anadol F as best player. Which is really bad, and it's—I mean, we we had an amazing game of basketball, but we are sitting here talking for five minutes Talk already. About practice, man. Only about referees and some strange decisions and the reactions after the game. How Anadol FS reacted. How Ergen Ataman was ejected. All that stuff. Just one thing, and let's let, let's make it clear. I mean, and move on to the basketball it was not like referees were calling for barcelona yeah no way no way both but both teams had to deal with uh, with with these things
0: but the statement which was released by fs was not uh, focused on that oh we lost because of refs i think that the main idea uh, was that uh, these calls were just uh, they just ruined the game the quality yeah. of the game was you know, deserved better uh, referees and referees didn't meet the expectations of that kind of game. Watching two finalists uh, finalists of the EuroLeague uh, l- last year uh, fighting that kind of uh, atmosphere, yeah. that kind of game. So probably that... Uh, I that think it's a fair focus.
1: statement. Yeah, I think it's a fair statement. I'm not sure if uh, the club should respond in, in, in this way. It's normal when the fans uh, talk about this or the journalists. I don't know if the club should get into... A battle with the refs and, and the Euroleague, but well, that's it's their position, and I I really agree that it kind of ruined the game. Uh, however, uh, you know at the at that at the point of Ataman's two technicals, Barcelona alone were leading. These two technicals gave away two free throws for was which is basically two points mm-hmm. because he's a ninety-seven percent free throw shooter, and Barcelona had control of the game at this moment. And to me, it was really impressive that Anadolu Efes didn't break down at this particular point of the game. It was like 2.45 left in the overtime. Mm-hmm. And they responded. They were down by seven. They responded after Kronoslav Simons' free pointer. It seemed like they're going to rescue this game. They're going to win it. And they actually had some chances. Uh, they had a shot by Tibor Plays, I believe, a mid-range jumper. Uh, Mitic had a long-distance shot and they could have won the game even under these circumstances, which is kind of
0: impressive. And the same was was in the fourth quarter. Uh, Barca was up by five with one minute to play. And Nigel Hayes missed both free throws. We already discussed the wrong call on Nikola Mirotic. But Barca once again almost slipped uh, the game away with the late uh, decisions. And (laughs) I love Jakubaitis. He's my man, but... (laughs) Even he felt bad about his game. If, if if you noticed after the final whistle, then Barca won after the overtime. He grabbed his head actually because he made s- such silly passes. Uh, some of the uh, some of, some of them were deflected. Some of them not. But even the last um, possession after the last timeouts, the pass. It was. I don't remember if it was uh, for. Yeah, it was for Sanli Sa- probably. Sanli. Uh, and it was very very tricky uh, pass, and there were at least three four deflections. He also fouled uh, Vasiliy Mitic when yeah. he was shooting a three pointer. It was a terrible ending for Jokobaitis. But come on, you got even though the he end had one. that end one. Yeah, so at least that you know that thing uh, helped him to to survive that game.
1: But it definitely wasn't a terrible night for Serta Charlie <sighs> coming back home. We know that sometimes players, when they get back home uh, playing against their former teammates um, before the game, they're greeted with applause. The fans are, are cheering for him because he contributed a lot to their championship title. And we know that in these circumstances, some players get too emotional and maybe they don't play so good. Serta Lee had a career night. He hit four three-pointers. His pick-and-pops were killing... Some off-balance three-pointers. He made a really difficult shot in a clutch moment, Mm -hmm. I would say, in the fourth quarter. Ended up with 24 points. Um, He really, in this game, showed to all of us why Shara signed him. Mm -hmm. He wanted to have a different type of center that could spread the floor. You could play pick-and-pops with him all the time. And many teams in the EuroLeague, they have these bigs that are not very mobile and you can attack them. And pick-and-pop is the best option to attack them. And Serta Chanli, he's doing all these things. And in this game, he was a game-changer. With his three-pointers, with his 24 points, with his energy. Actually, he played only 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. which you could say is not that much, knowing that there was He got in a
0: foul trouble. He got in a foul trouble. He had three fouls in 14 minutes. He's not the
1: best option, obviously, with all defense. Mm -hmm. So in in some cases, even if he's hard on offense, you still have to uh, get back to Brandon Davis because of, of his defensive abilities. And this is one thing. But for me, the main thing of this game, the most important is Shara's what he did in the halftime the decisions he made in the second half of the game because after after the first two quarters it looked like it was fs's game uh, they were doing
0: what they do best it reminded me the EuroLeague final of the last season actually especially the second half uh, of the game wouldn't you say it's like vice
1: versa uh, oh yeah yeah Fes- Anadolu, you're right Anadolu yeah Anadol ga- yeah, yeah. broke the game Fs the game in in the final uh what i mean is uh Barca just couldn't play any defense in the first half one thing was that there were many foul calls uh, soft calls and Anadol Fs were getting to the line i think they got like 18 free throws in the first half but they just couldn't contain mitzic and larkin they were driving to the paint they were kicking the ball outside they were making shots it it was ephesus game what charas did he doesn't have higgins he doesn't have fabrines he doesn't have Calades. these are big players they're missing so in the second half he started playing with these huge lineups i mean the size of these lineups was enormous at one point there was nigel hayes at two, mm. Nikola Mirotic at three, Piero Riola at four, and Davis Orshanli at five. And Jokubaitis, the point guard order, La Pravitole, he was actually controlling the team very well in this game in some moments. So these big lineups just pushed Anadol F.S out of their comfort zone. The ball movement was stopped. Anadol F.S. couldn't score for the first three or four minutes of the fourth quarter, they ended up with only 12 points in the fourth quarter, 33 in the second half. And actually the points they scored in the fourth, these were just individual brilliance. This was just individual brilliance of Vasa Mitic. Uh He scored eight in the fourth quarter. So Barcelona's defense was the key in the second half. And it was because the coach went for something we haven't seen this season or in the previous season with Miritic at small forward position because when he plays at four uh, teams always attack him mm. whether it's Morman or it's Schengeli or somebody else they always try to attack Mirotić, be physical with him get him in a foul trouble if possible when he plays at three you could say that there are not too many ways how you could attack Mirotić. I mean, if he's, gar- if he's guarding Krunaslav Simon, okay, he can handle Krunaslav Simon at the age of 36. If it's James Anderson, James Anderson, at this point of his career, is not an offensive player. So, Mirotic feels quite okay uh, defending in the f- third position. And obviously, they're switching everything and you have all these bigs and you have Nigel Hayes playing as a shooting guard mm-hmm. in the second position. So, it was really amazing to see how the coach actually broke the game. So, Kudos to Yasi I think it was the biggest
0: moment when he went to these lineups. Yeah, he he did he did it in passage style. If you remember, he was uh, using role, Roland Smiths at, as a free as yeah. his small forward. He also was a big fan of big lineups. And you, yeah, you touched some great points. Cerradach uh, Sanli scored. He was a game changer in the fourth quarter. On the offensive end he scored 13 points in the fourth quarter with some crucial and tough uh, shots when all fs team uh, had only 12 points what i also uh, liked that barca controlled the tempo of the game uh, they had problems when fs were sharing the ball when they were uh, playing let's say up tempo basketball but in the fourth quarter fs had only 11 shots they made only three from 11 they made four turnovers And what also helped that Barca had five offensive rebounds, so five extra possessions. We know that Sharas loves uh, long possessions, so that's how they dropped the tempo of the game. Uh, They contained Larkin only uh, to one shot in the fourth quarter, and as you mentioned, it was only Vasily Mitsic who was trying to do everything by uh, himself. Although, FS had some nice opportunities, had some nice looks, uh, but Moorman or or Tibor Pelaez, sometimes missed. they just uh, missed all these shots. But what I also loved the most that uh, in the fourth quarter, on the offensive end, uh, there were only three players who scored in Barca, and it was Sertar Sergio Sergi Martinez, and La Provitola. I mean, you can ask every coach in the EuroLeague, and if you give this lineup uh, to... You know, to finish the fourth quarter against the EuroLeague champs, they would start laughing at you. I mean, it's well, a every crazy time, lineup.
1: Every time Sergi Martinez makes a spot-up shot, it seems like a miracle. <laughs> I mean, all the teams, when Sergi Martinez is on the floor, they're willing to give him spot-up shots. But he made one actually important three-pointer f- uh, in this game. I, I don't remember whether it was the fourth quarter it or It was in the fourth quarter. I think it was his only... And Shot. His reaction after this was like, "I like Sergi
0: Martinez." He was relieved. He's a hard well, worker. He's a hard guy, he's worker. Yeah, a yeah, hard yeah. worker. You and need loves players like You him. need
1: these type of players, even on the elite teams. That's why CSKA have Kurbanov. That's why Barcelona have Sergi Martinez. You need these these type of players. But if he could improve his spot up shot, it
0: would make him
1: oh yeah a better player, a much better player than he is right now.
0: And I think he has potential to improve. I hope so. That 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 thing. And shot gives him enough opportunities. Yes, yeah, so we mentioned rebounds. It, it's actually quite obvious that Kyle uh, Kuzmic is crazy. He's oh. offensive uh, threats. He's always crashing the boards. Yeah. He got like two he's or three offensive rebounds. He's diving for crazy. Balls. He's
1: actually his jumping abilities are kind of underrated, underrated mm. because he's a shooter. You see him like a J.C. Carroll type of yeah. player, but he's athletic. He can jump. Yeah, I, I saw some dunks on fast breaks. He's pretty good, even though he's he's a veteran, actually. He's, yeah. like, 32 years old. But um, the numbers are in Barcelona's favor, I would say, it's, like, the biggest problem when you're analyzing the box score for Anadolu Efes. Uh, 16 offensive rebounds in total for Barca, only two for Efes. Oof. It's 47 against 29 in total. Yeah, Kurish three offensive rebounds.
0: More than whole... FS team.
1: And of course, it's a result of Barcelona playing these big lineups. FS just couldn't get a rebound in the fourth quarter, in the overtime as well. And they were suffering. You're always suffering when you don't uh, grab the rebounds under your basket. And I mentioned Higgins, I mentioned Kaladius, I mentioned Abrinas. Actually, the player that was missing and the player that could have won the game for Anadol FS could have been a solution for Ataman. At fourth position, and even at fifth in some moments, is Chris Singleton. Mm-hmm. A player who hasn't yeah. missed a EuroLeague game in like three years. 216 <laughs> games, something like that. I, I don't know, it's crazy. He had no injuries. He's like an Iron Ironman. Uh-huh. And now in this game, he's out. So, Ataman had problems at the power four position. We knew it's going to be a matchup Mormon versus Miritich, But he actually had no second option. He went with James Anderson for a short period of time. He played with two centers for a really short period of time. I think it was like Petrushev and Dunstan on the court at the same time. And you could see that Barca are missing some key players, but actually Ataman is missing Chris Singleton, who is so important for this team. You don't see... Him putting big numbers, his stat line mm. is not as impressive, but he is a difference maker in so many ways. And they really needed him in this game, and he was out, So, which is why Mormon played almost 40 minutes. I'm not saying he played bad, but it's a lot of uh, minutes to play and, at this level. So, And Atama was rotating his centers like every three minutes. Mm-hmm. He started with Pleist, and after three minutes, it's Dunstan. After three minutes, it's Petrushev. He was trying everything, and y- you have to say that
0: Sertacian Lee was the best big man in this game. So Now, with what Barca did in Istanbul with this roster, without all these players you mentioned, I mean, Kalates, uh, Higgins, Sabrinas, they are very important perimeter players. They could start for almost every Euroleague team. Uh, I'm not even talking about Higgins and, and Kalates. They are stars of the Euroleague. Saras even had to play Michael Kaysedo. Sorry, I don't know nothing about that guy, but he was always attacked when he was yeah. on the court. I mean, and he still managed to survive this w- game, wasn't which is it crazy.
1: Jonas Miklovas, uh, he was in Istanbul, and he asked Saras uh, about playing Mirotić at small forward, and Shara's answered, well, uh, I had two options. It's <laughs> it was Mirotić or Kaysedo, so wh- what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, it was actually a... Pure masterclass from yeah. Yesikevich's. This is a real masterclass of a coach, how you can change the game, how you can influence the game. And also I, I would like to mention uh, Nicolas Laprovittola. actually. Mm-hmm. I had some doubts when Barcelona signed him. Uh, we saw him playing in Madrid for Lasso. He was a streaky player, inconsistent. And I was thinking, why does Charas need a player like this? Now, when they have injuries, La Provitola plays really solid. He stepped up. He's, he's playing with confidence. In this game, he had 14 points and 8 assists. He Incredible. was controlling yeah. the team. As you mentioned, Jokubaitis was actually struggling. So, uh, credit to La Provitola, really. He's an experienced player. We see him like this, I don't know, passionate Argentinian who is sometimes
0: too relaxed. But he... He has balls he, he, yeah. he he's a great player so he yeah. has his own swag yeah 25 points against uh, as uh, a uh week or two ago against Rodriguez 5 and uh, eight assists now 14 and eight assists incredible stat line for so far when when Kalitas was out and yeah, talking about Jokobaitis, as I mentioned, you know, Sharas is famous for uh, keeping some of his players in Istanbul. You know, Thomas Artel before, <laughs> Arturas Milaknis was very close uh, of being, you know, uh, so of being so kept. you
1: were worried?
0: I was worried. I was al- already watching uh, Booking.com and checking some available hotels for Rokos <laughs> Jokobaitis, but they managed to pull that one. So I'm happy k- he came back home.
1: FS should be angry actually after this game and I think um, it's not, not good for Bayern. They are their next opponent in the th- 14th um, match week and I think Anadol FS will go to Germany being really angry after this, this game, a lot of emotions and we know that usually in Germany I d- I'm not sure what is the situation with COVID how many people are allowed into the no arena. Fans allowed no allowed right fans now at until, at all. until
0: the no 15th fans. of December I think.
1: So that's a, that's a shame because usually when when the Turkish teams play in Germany mm-hmm. they feel
0: like at home especially Fenerbahçe but probably it's only Fenerbahçe no or FS mostly FS Fener, gets mostly Fenerbahçe but uh-huh. FS
1: gets some support as well now they're Euroleague champions they're quite popular oh okay but if it's an empty gym then that doesn't mean anything but
0: at least FS now is on at least they were on a winning path. They won some important, and they had some solid wins against Olympiakos, 19 points, uh, Monaco, very solid win. Fenerbahce, tough game, but they managed to come out with a win. They also almost won against Barcelona. I mean, they are better than they were before in the beginning of the season. But the most important thing about FS is for Ataman not to get wild, not to get uh, crazy about his team, about uh, the effort of his players, because I heard that... At some point of the season, th- in the beginning of the season, when the team was losing, he started acting like previous Ataman, uh, a few years ago, being too strict for his players, too disciplined, and probably even uh, breaking some rules of the Euroleague Players Associ- Association with some early practices, with some, let's say, no day offs and stuff. So, I hope that he won't continue doing that because it won't help this team uh, at all as he also witnessed that uh, with his previous experiences. So, Ergin, talk with your son, Sarf. He's a very good uh, advisor. Yeah, he's a very good advisor. He has uh, nice uh, advices, nice tips from the psychological standpoint. So, just relax, and your team will take care of it.
1: As you mentioned, they're actually playing quality basketball at the moment. Um, They had four wins in a row this game against Barcelona. It's not like they played bad. No, no, no. It was a quality game of basketball. It Just one team had to lose. Um, And looking at the standings, they're 6-7 right now. And my prediction would be that by the end of this year, they will be in top six. Because uh, until December December. 30th is the last day uh, when the games are played this year. So there are still five games left. And they should win the four out of these five, I, I believe. And they should be in the top six by the end of the, of the year. And then it's the second part of the season and you can change a lot of things. So,
0: yeah, wh- wh- What is interesting that the last year they were 7x and 6 uh, after 13 uh, rounds.
1: So it's kind of similar, but I think their problems last year were different Mm -hmm. than than they are this season. Yeah, I agree. They're facing different challenges uh,
0: this time of the year, but they will be fine. Okay, so let's jump uh, to the next part of our podcast. Uh, We kind of, since I we were off for two weeks, uh, we wanted to discuss about some general things, uh, not discuss like weekly stuff. And we will try to give some advices and tips how to improve some teams. It can be sign-ins. It can be, I don't know, team meetings, trips to the street bar just to relax, just to cool down. It can be, I don't know, coaching change or something. But We will try to pick some teams which are struggling and to advise what they could do to improve their situation in some hypothetical scenarios. Yeah. So who you would start with? I don't know. Maybe we should start with
1: a team that is actually good, that is actually Final Four material. It's just that now they're facing a bad path, I would say. It's Milan? And yeah, they lost four games in a row. It's it's uh, Milano. The last game they lost against Alba Berlin. You can remember that they started winning f- five games in a row at the beginning of the season and they were beating elite teams like Sky like Maccabi, like Anadolu, Efes, and now they're losing to Alba Berlin. So, why is that? Although Alba
0: are surprising us. yeah, They beat Maccabi by five also.
1: It's it's no disrespect to Alba, it's just that the expectations for Retore Messina's team is is Final Four. So, they should win games like this. Uh, So, maybe we should talk about them and Mm -hmm. Why are they losing at the the moment and what could be changed? What can they improve?
0: Of course, injuries uh, were a game changer. And especially I miss Dinas uh, Mitoglu. I think that his injury was crucial because I think he gives a lot of physicality, effort, hustle and um, good plays in key moments uh, of the games. And it was what he did in the beginning of the season uh in close games and now they lost some uh close uh, games and uh, and last three games they had uh, they were 18th uh, by defensive rating they were last in rebounds both offensively and defensively 17th in three point percentage uh, allowed last in fouls committed uh and they're struggling a lot and when it takes Dinos Mitoglu, he actually gave everything what Milan is missing right now. For example, with Dinos on the court, the offensive rebound percentage increases by more than 10%. Defensive rebound percentage increases by 5%. Two-point shooting uh, uh, increases by 6%. Uh, he shared the third-best defensive rating, third-best uh, offensive rating, and generally, he was a glue guy for that team. And that's why I'm not the biggest fan of Ben Bentil signing. I think he's... It's a, a short-term solution. Of course. And he's a good shooter for the fourth position but i'm just missing the physicality which mitoglu was bringing on the table and of course but it, it cannot be the single problem of uh, Milan at right now but at least that's that's what i miss the most uh, watching uh, milan team at this moment
1: um i was mostly disappointed the way they were blown out by Olympiakos
0: at home before
1: there was a blowout in Kazan yeah. and against Olympiakos, really, they were just crushed by, by the Greeks. And after Mitoglu's injury, I was thinking that, well, Nicolo Melli, he's going to have to play like for 30 minutes every game. And he should be the key player right now. And he has been playing good this season so far. But in these games, after Mitoglu's injury, Nicolo Melli was sort of blank which is not okay because he's a very important part of the team. And when we're saying tips and advices or solutions uh, for, for the current problems, I would say that I need I need to go back to what I was saying when they were winning. When they were winning, I was saying that uh, in the previous season, they were also winning, yeah. but it's a veteran team, and at some point... They faced difficulties, maybe they were tired, uh, the roster was not so deep, and they started losing and dropping in the standings, which is actually what's happening right now. Vu. The depth in their roster is questionable. And I, I would say that Geraint Grant and Troy Daniels are not living up to the expectations. Both guards with NBA experience, with solid NBA experience, you, su- you should say,
0: yeah both, of them, Daniels,
1: yeah, both of them are not performing or underperforming in the EuroLeague. Troy Daniels, seven games in the EuroLeague so far, 3.9 points per game, only eight and a half minutes per game, only 30% shooting. Not good enough, I would say. Jerian Grant, almost 10 minutes per game, 11 games, 1.9 points per game, 15 points percent shooting from the outside 33 percent shooting to p- from the two-point range not good enough if you want to win the euro league if you want to be a final four team you need that in your roster anadolo efes and real madrid are the prime examples of this and if it's possible actually to part ways with the players that are underperforming and search for better ones to fill these spots in the roster i think Now
0: is the time to do that, before the new year. You still have time, so... I think that's coming because there were rumors about some mm, potential backcourt signings in Milan, and especially there were talks about uh, replacing uh, Grant, for example. Maybe the yearly level is still too high for him at the moment. They had expectations on Troy Daniels, uh, and as you mentioned, for sure, he is not meeting these expectations uh, yet. So for yeah, to make some adjustments, they should sign uh, some backcourt player, shooting guard uh, specifically. And as you mentioned, uh, for sure, their, their roster, uh, their depth is a problem, and especially when you have so many veterans. All these players, so many veterans, and maybe when some of these players are out, Mito Glue before it was Delaney, And they had a bigger workload. Maybe that's also affecting uh, this veteran team. Their starting lineup is fine. Shavon Shields is great.
1: Rodriguez and Delaney are great point guards. But if you're too dependent on them, they are veterans. And you could say about Malcolm Delaney in the past few years, he's injury prone. So you lose him for a month. And then Sergio, Sergio Rodriguez is not capable at this point of his career to cover 25 minutes. And uh, yeah, which is why I'm saying that if you could improve the team by signing some guards, it would be great. Mitoglu will be back on the court. Benjamin Bentil could cover his minutes for a while. I don't think that the power four position is a big problem for them, actually. Uh, Gigi Datomi is actually having a solid season. He's playing more like a small forward, but I- still. I'm just
0: mi- missing, you know, physicality and better defensive presence uh, in the front line because with mitoglu in the first 10 games they were second best uh, they had the second best defensive rating uh, for example and now they're last so i think it also it was the outcome of uh, missing uh, mitoglu and some lineup uh, changes how long is he out mm, for two months, two months and so now it's like 5 weeks or something and he will be reevaluated uh, once again this month so We'll so see. I wish him the best, but I, I do expect some roster changes in in Milan before the new year. What kind of roster changes would you expect in Monaco? And if they need any roster changes after making so many of them in, in the beginning Monaco? of the season? Because they're on a losing streak. They lost four games, and I think that they have even bigger problems than that losing streak.
1: Hmm. Well, first of all, some of these games, especially the one against Asphalus, It was just bad luck. Bad luck. Bad luck. They should have won it. Roster changes in Monaco, well, I would say once again that they just have too many players. Uh By saying too many players, I mean too many ambitious players that actually want a big role on the team. And it is difficult to balance all of this. And... uh, if you want to change the roster, I would say they don't need to sign anyone additionally. I think they, need they to could to players. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, could release the some players. I'm not sure which ones, though. If Mike James, I Mini mean, we, we remember he had this, like, uh, I don't know whether it was a conflict or not, mm. but he left the court, he went straight to the locker room, and then you were thinking, like, the same thing is happening that happened in Moscow with Mike James and, and Coach Itudis. But he got back on the court and he had some solid performances. actually his last game against Fenerbahce. They lost it, but it was his best game of the season so far. So you could still say that Mike James can still be the leader of the team. But then you're thinking about the others. Dwayne Bacon, Paris Lee. How do you manage all of this? Now they're losing. I'm not saying they're losing because they have too many players. Mm. But if you want to keep everybody happy the team should not be built in this way, I, I would I would, I would, think, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, Mike definitely was not happy in Istanbul. It's non Erdem. But the thing is that I, I can see fans and haters of Mike James uh, saying once again that, oh, it's Mike James, and it's repeating, and it's all over again, and one more conflict is emerging, and maybe he will leave Monaco uh, during the season. But from what I've heard, uh, there, are, there's much more than just Mike James and Zvezdan Mitrovic. Uh, and the chemistry between the coach and players is not very good to say at least. And it seems like there's a lack of trust between players if Zvezdan Mitrovic is the right coach to run this team. But what is what is also very interesting that we when we talk about teams like Unix, uh, Baskonia, since day one, we were talking that these coaches are on the hot seat, and no matter what. And the Zvezdan Mitrovic is very safe, feels very safe in Monaco because the front office of Monaco loves him a lot because they reached amazing victories uh, with Zvezdan under the helm of the team. So it's very unlikely that we'll see a coaching change in Monaco. And that's that raises the question how this team will solve uh, all these uh, problems, uh, how they will solve chemistry issues. And for example, Dwayne Bacon... Uh, he had a nice impact uh, when he just when he came uh, to Monaco. But he was out of the roster for almost two weeks. And I've heard that it was not an injury or something. There was something bigger again. And it doesn't say anything good about the chemistry inside the team at the moment. So I'm very curious to see. When we have Milan, we kind of feel that when all players will be back in the lineup, uh, and somehow Messina will figure this out. Yeah. In Monaco case, the problems are deeper than just some injuries, that than just some stretch. Because Monaco once again they lost to good teams like Maccabi, FS, that's That uh, disaster against Asvel, Fenerbahce. Okay, it was different case. But looking aside, it doesn't look that bad. But from what I hear inside there are some, let's say, connection problems inside the team, and that what worries me a lot. And now they're having a, let's say, challenging schedule. They're facing Milan uh, this week. They have Jargeris away, and despite the fact that Jargeris started the season really bad, at home, they're good. They're playing good, and they improved their game so far. Then they play Zenit, and finish the first uh, part of the regular season at Berlin, where we saw some teams uh, mm-hmm. collapsing. So... That's a tough and challenging, challenging period uh, for My Mike James Monaco.
1: is out, actually, for, like for ten, di- ten, 10 days. Which is two games. He could miss two games, yeah. right? Uh, you know, as bad as it sounds, I think some injuries could benefit this team. Some players getting injured and missing <laughs> games would make life easier for yeah. Zvezdan Mitrovic. And it would be beneficial but, but it can for, be for some dreams. other players. I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to wish an injury for a player. Yeah. Come on. But I'm just saying that in these type of situations, it happens in sports. When you have too many players and too many decisions to make, when some players get injured and get out of the roster, it becomes easier for you and for, for the players. Because if somebody knows that Well, we have an injured point guard and we have an injured shooting guard. I'm going to play 25 minutes either way. And the coach knows that, well, this is the lineup for today. We have like nine players in the rotation. And sometimes it makes life a little bit easier. I'm not saying that the solution for Monaco is to injure some players on purpose, (laughs) obviously. But it's just what it is. And uh, we were sort of talking about this um, previously, that it could be a problem for them yeah, signing yeah. too many players. Too many players that won a big role on the team and uh, bringing Dwayne Bacon was kind of strange. Uh, before the season, there, w- there were no expectations for Monaco. Actually, they were entering the League for the first time. You saw the roster. There were some good, interesting players, but nothing special. We had them last in our power rankings before the season. And then, bam, they blow the market by these signings. And, of course, when you sign big names, people start expecting more. I would say that for Monaco, a a young organization that is in the EuroLeague for the first time, to be where they are right now is okay, is acceptable. But if there are issues inside of the team, chemistry issues, well, then, of course, it needs to be dealt with. Um, As far as I understand, you're not suggesting they should change Weston Mitrovic. They should trust him. What do you
0: think? It's tough. Uh, I think that the coaching market is not very good, not suitable for a coaching change. But at the same time, I'm not inside the team where I would see if it's impossible to continue with this coach or not. Because if players already tuned out this coach, it's a problem. And it's just a matter of time when it's all blowout. And I, I was reading the book, When the Game Was Ours, it was um, the story about Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And in one of the last chapters of that book, uh, it was very interesting uh, thought of Larry Bird. Uh, he signed with Pacers. He was the head coach uh, of, of Indiana Pacers. And when he signed, his, uh, his main part of the agreement was, I'm here to coach for three years, because usually after three years, players just tune you out. They tuned the coach out. And that's what we actually saw in Zrugitis, for example. Some players couldn't stand Srona Sisikavicius no longer. And in some teams, it just happens that just you're just too tired of that kind of routine. It's a different story. It's another, actually another interesting topic to discuss about. And, uh, for example, I can also see uh, the importance in Barcelona for Srona Sisikavicius to win as fast as possible because in, in two or three years, some of these star players... Unless they will be replaced, they will be too tired of that kind of regime. Uh, But coming back uh, to this topic, uh, there was also a situation in LA when Pat Riley was doing a great job. But there was a moment when team just started to, you know, they lost the belief uh, in their coach, no matter how good he was. And I'm afraid that in this situation it can be already lost that connection that uh, that belief that support and i hope not because as i said there i don't see a good scenario in the long term uh for this team then so i would suggest not to sign anybody else oh yeah definitely Uh, (laughs) unless uh, you sign a true floor general because when leo westerman is out I miss a playmaker. I miss a point guard who could create for for others. But bringing but, another point but you guard have to would make others cut five players really unhappy. Yeah. And Monaco is the team. It is an organization where you can you can wish for a playmaker, but I wouldn't surprise to see Isaiah Thomas coming to Monaco for oh example. Oh my God! <laughs> that would be Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> I would I wouldn't be surprised. I wish it won't happen. I wish (laughs) they will shorten the rotation because their idea was clear to keep players fresh for the EuroLeague and to play some of the guys just in the French League. But what I see on the court, the lack of mm, defensive, uh, the lack of chemistry on the defensive end. It seems like when these all players, all these players are uh, subbed out, subbed in all the time, when Zvezda Dmitrovic is using all these rotations, they just cannot click on the court, and especially defensively. In the last four games, they had a second-worst defensive uh, rating, and they're not a good defensive uh, team. On the offensive end, I just see too too many uh, contested shots. I just see too many mm, bad looks from Parrish Lee or Alfa Diallo. I can stand looking Mike James taking tough shots, but I cannot watch uh, Parish Lee or Alfa Diallo taking difficult shots. So what I mean, they need some more discipline on the court, more understanding on the court, and that huge rotation has some drawbacks also. And now it's against uh, them at the moment. Well, since we're quoting legendary coaches, I could quote Phil Jackson
1: from 2003-04 season when he said that modern-day players don't want to be a part of the system. They want to be the system. So it was happening in the NBA 20 or more years ago already, and it's coming to EuroLeague a little bit. You could also see that there are teams where players have more control than the coach. We're still used to seeing EuroLeague as the coaches league where Yesikiavich or Tudius decide <laughs> everything. But this Monaco team, this roster, I don't think it's suitable for a coach to implement a system. You brought these players individually, they are great. You have to find a way to make them be great on the court together. And I think it's more psychological than tactical. Mm, I don't don't think we're talking about tactics or, or sets or defensive systems. I think it's just
0: about communication and being able to approach all of your players. Yeah, yep. and making them happy. And because most of the of these players didn't sign for playing uh, for system in Monaco. You can play for system in Barcelona, I don't know in Fenerbahce, in Jelko uh, years, uh, CSKA, uh, for example. But you sign with not even the playoff contender uh, in summer, Monaco. And I can I can see Donatos Motunas very unhappy with this uh, current situation. I can also see Will Thomas. I'm actually, I'm missing the... More balanced offense in Monaco because now it's very heavy um, perimeter-driven offense, and Monaco is one of the last teams in in post-up situations. When you have Donatas Motunas and Bill Thomas, great post-up players in your team, you should have a better balance on the offensive end. And I think that a lot of uh, comes from uh, perimeter players, which are not who are not suitable uh, with bigs like Motunas or Thomas. Well, sometimes
1: I wonder uh, when a player signs for a team. Um, usually it's an American signing for, for European teams does he put into consideration what other players are there already on the roster in his position for example did Dwayne Bacon study this roster before signing for Monaco or was he just thinking
0: I'm a great player, I'm gonna be a star of the show I <laughs> <Yeah>, will play <laughs> with Mike James, th- he's not in my position so I'm good because
1: Wayne Bacon is playing almost 20 minutes per game you can see he's contributing on the scoring department, but so far, from what I've seen, I cannot say he's he's been good. When you see a player that's um, scoring like 12 points, taking 15 shots and ending up with 4 on the index rating, these are not good numbers. I know you can score the basketball, but it's a team game. You need to win games, not just put numbers, so... Yeah,
0: maybe yes. it's enough about Monaco. Yeah, a lot of work to do for <laughs> Monaco's front office. What do you, Who do you have next? Well, I would like to mention Fenerbahce. They finally got a win.
1: Um, there was this critical point, actually, when they lost to Zalgiris and they went to Istanbul Derby. They were leading after three quarters and they just blew their lead in the fourth and they lost it in the end of the game. It was a really difficult moment. and um, First of all, I, I would say respect to Mr. Giardini for sticking with the coach uh, because I think there are many clubs that in this case would have already mm. fired uh, Sasha Djordjevic. Uh, they lost four in a row. They had only one win from eight games. Now they finally got a solid win against Monaco where they scored 96 points. However, I still see problems on this roster. Nando De Kolo starts getting better. Maybe he's, uh, he was a little bit out of shape after the Olympics. I don't know. Now he started playing at his level. Jan Vesely is having a great season. But still, this team is lacking shooters and players that can spread the floor. So I think a single signing could change a lot. And my idea would be a stretch four. Okay. A power forward that can stretch the floor, that could play more often with Jan Vesely at five. I know we have Polonara, Bartel, and Booker, but this lineup is not built perfectly. Mistakes, I think, were made. Nor Danilo Bartel, nor Achille Polonara are a complete stretch four. Yes, they can hit a three-pointer, but they are not... Players like, let's say, Alec Peters from Bosconia or, or Nicola Melli from Milano that are pure stretch fours that can play with their face to the basket and, and hit a jump shot. So a single stretch four, I think, would solve a lot of problems for them. Um, I cannot say a name right now on the market, what could be the player uh, usually, in this point of the season, is someone from the G League or someone Maybe that ben gets, someone that gets cut by an MB. Ben Bentel, I'm not so sure if he actually is a stretch for mm. a guy that really spreads the floor. Um, I look at his numbers. Let's say he had a season in Powell with 36% free-point shooting, but he was not taking that many shots. The year before, it was 32%. I would think about someone who is purely for this position. And um, looking at the others, uh, Pierre Henry actually starts getting
0: better. Yeah, finally. He's a way different player, man. He's making three-pointers.
1: So I don't wa- want to see any drastic changes. First and foremost, stick with Sasha Djordjevic. Still, let's not forget he lost some heartbreakers in games in the very mm. last seconds. The situation in the standings could be much better for them. If not, for some single moments. Um I don't think they need to replace uh, Pierre Henry. They need to put trust in him. They, they need to trust him to play with Nando De Colo and share those responsibilities. Uh, Marco Guduric also has to contribute, of course. And now we have Guduric and De Colo who are good shooters, but all the others are either non-shooters at all or their shooting abilities are very, very limited. So I just think they need a shooter, ideally in the fourth position,
0: and it would change everything. And they could start winning games uh, consistently. I would also consider changing Mariel Shayok. I think he, I think he's not contributing uh, at the level Fenerbahce needs at the moment. He's getting better, but I think that better shooter in his position would also uh, help. But yeah, what I also think that Sasha Djordjevic didn't deserve being booed. Like he was uh, after losing FS game, uh, if, I, if I'm correct... Mm-hmm. I think that was a wrong call uh, by Fenerbahce fans. I also say say it because we had a great interview just before my uh, childbirth. Uh, George which is a great uh, speaker, a great guy to to have an interview with. What I was surprised a bit that he pointed out as the as his main guy as his leader both on and off the court because in the beginning of the season I was a bit surprised the way Dekolo was not so aggressive on the court, especially in the clutch moments. And Djordjevic uh, was relying more on Peria Henry. And, I, and actually, when I asked this question, I thought that his answer will be Peria Henry is, is supposed to be his leader, both on and off the court. So, But yeah, he believes a lot in, in Dekolo, who leads by example. Even Teodosic told that Dekolo is a great, great leader and he learned a lot playing with him in CSK Moscow. And for sure, uh, the of will be better throughout the season. And as you mentioned, maybe we forgot the fact that he was really good at the Olympics. And now he needs some time uh, to get in his usual rhythm.
1: And actually, I think Sorry. teams will start to respect Pierre Henry's three-pointer a little bit more after what he's doing he's right now. He's like making
0: three-pointers three per three game Three
1: right games now. in a row, he's making at least three long-distance shots. In the last one against Monaco, he was free out of free, And he made some clutch 41% shots. 41% this season so far. Uh, he is the type of point guard that uh, pe- other teams are uh, risking uh, going under the screens, sort of allowing him to take this uh, jump shot. But he started making those and, and, and quite consistently, actually. So if he can do that, Throughout the season, he can be the main point guard playing with Nando De Colo. If he can shoot the basketball easily, it's great because we know that he involves his teammates. He is a really good passer. He puts his heart on defense as well. He's a fighter. So it's okay if he, as long as he can make those shots because the problem for Fenerbahce is they sign too many players with limited shooting abilities. And Mariel Shek, you mentioned him, and he's one of those, obviously. Um, so yeah, I think they, w- they will be better, but in order to make the playoffs and be competitive, I think they still need to sign a player. Like last season when they struggled and had problems, they signed Marco Guduric, and it changed everything. So they sort of need to make a similar move right now, I would say. What Ilyasov is doing at the moment? Ersan Ilyasov. Wow, that's a nice actually. That's That could be an answer. That's a nice idea. <laughs> Ersan Ilyasov, maybe. 34. Maybe now he would be playing more as a five yeah. in the Euroleague, but he spreads the floor, definitely. He is a free agent, I believe he played for you. There were
0: rumors also the last season about him and Adolfo FS, since he's a former FS player. He also played in Fenerbahce, I missed that that fact, actually. Six games in the EuroLeague, five minutes uh, per game. Anyway, he could be a solution, especially he's a local player, so that would help a lot Fenerbahce in the domestic championship.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting name, actually. He's a great shooter. That's what they need. And from what I saw, let's say, in Milwaukee Bucks a couple of years ago, he's still going strong. Yeah, and especially in the EuroLeague. Of course, the problem is, if you sign someone like this, uh, you could question whether they need uh, Danilo Bartel. They have Achille Polonara in that position. Vesely is playing a lot as a power forward. I would like to see him more playing as a center, but then you have Devin Booker who needs to play.
0: Legendary Duverioglo also at the center.
1: Yeah, but Ahmed Duverioglo, I think he's he's fine. He's fine. He, he <laughs> understands his <laughs> position. In some some games he will be needed more. In some other games he will play just a couple of minutes. Uh, it doesn't seem that it's, it's bothering him. But uh, others, foreign players like Danilo Bartel they will not be happy if some someone someone new comes into his position and, and takes his minutes. So,
0: With all the respect to Danilo Bartel, but probably when you're the GM or the head coach of Fenerbahce team, Danilo Bartel is the last person to be pleased. Well, I'm not really sure decisions. why they
1: signed him in the first place last year. It was Kokoshkov's idea, probably. He was such a great captain for Bayern, a power forward. He stretches the floor... A little bit, but I wouldn't call him a shooter. He was so good in Bayern; he was in his place. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not really sure why Fenerbahce signed him. And in the end, when you're signing players like Bartel and adding Polonara uh, the year after, you're still playing with Jan Vesely as as a power forward. So, you will not get good spacing in nowadays modern basketball with Vesely and Booker on mm. the court and also playing, let, let's say, Mariel Sheok, who is not a shooter. Today's game is all about spacing. And in order to have good spacing, you need players that can shoot the basketball.
0: It's very simple. To continue with our topic, we have to mention that there are some teams which are helpless. I mean, we won't talk uh, about teams like Jargris, Panth uh because... You have to make not only a single adjustment. You, you would have to rebuild the roster to change a lot of things. So let's uh, run shortly through some other teams. And not only, mm, let's say, struggling teams need some help. Uh, let's talk a bit about Barcelona. They are on the top of the standings uh, together with Real Madrid between... Uh, by the way, the great game is is coming this week on Friday. El Clasico, Barcelona, yeah. uh, Real Madrid. But the thing is that Barcelona is struggling with all these injuries. Nicolaitis is out for more than one month. Uh, Higgins is out for something like that also. I don't even remember when Abrinas is expected to, to come back, but it, it will sh- take a lot of time. should
1: be close uh, because uh, he got hurt in the beginning of the season and it was reported that he's out for three or four months. So. Mm-hmm.
0: It's already December, so maybe after the new year. But right now, we see that they need some help. What is interesting that uh, Chema De Lucas reported that they're nearing uh, to agreement with Dante Exum. What do you think about this uh, signing?
1: That's not what I would be expecting right now, actually. Um, they need reinforcements, definitely, because if you compare them to Real Madrid, they're arch-rivals. Uh, Real Madrid is so deep. And Barcelona is lacking depth right now. As you mentioned, Charas needs to play guys like Isedo or some others from La Masia Academy that maybe are not ready yet to contribute in Euroleague. Um, Dante Exum, well, he's a guard, a very athletic guard that cannot shoot. This is what I learned about him from seeing him playing in the
0: NBA for five years. Although he was great in Australia national team yeah, in the Olympics. Um, if he he's w- surrounded by right players, right pieces, he could be very good.
1: Well, he fixed some boxes like physicality, defensive abilities, athleticism. athleticism um, he could cover for Nikolaitis uh, uh, until he's still out. But actually, I was thinking that he needs someone else in other positions. Which one? I would say that Nigel Hayes is not having a particularly good season. He's mm-hmm. playing mainly as a small forward.
0: Um and again he's struggling with his shots. Yeah. And they it seems like he has some bad experience with Sharunas Sisekavichis and he just cannot relax because even with Sharas, under Sharas and Jalgiris, he was not shooting the ball really well. And when he left, he improved his numbers a lot uh, under Martin Schiller. And they kind
1: of a replaced two players with one when they signed Nigel Hayes and they actually released Claver and they released Hanga. He's
0: 22% three-point shooter this season. They have Alex
1: Sabrinas out. The options in the small forward position are limited. Sergio Martinez is ge- getting some playing time. Nikola Mirotic, we saw, was playing as a small forward now in the recent games against Bosconia as well, but in, in the Spanish league, but it was limited. Um, and I'm thinking that they actually could use a big body if Jessica just wants to continue playing with these big lineups and they could use someone really big, strong and physical at the third position that in some cases you could move him to power forward because Roland Schmidt's this season is actually disappointing um, in the previous year we saw the Latvian guy as a decent backup for Mirotic, this season he's not playing good He is sometimes out of rotation
0: effort is there, energy is there but he's not so efficient as he was before. He's
1: not hitting shots, actually. He's known as a
0: three-point shooter. He's known is as, is a, sure. as
1: a power forward that can shoot a basketball, but he's not making his shots so far this season. And uh, then I'm thinking, there is a player who's stuck in Oklahoma. Tell me, tell me that name. Yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking about the same guy. He is stuck in Oklahoma City Thunder. Gabriel Deck. He he would be a perfect signing for Barca. He would be a huge reinforcement. Yes, he's a former Real Madrid player. Who but cares? We right now? saw so many moves between these two clubs, it doesn't matter right now. If Gabriel Deck becomes available, I think Barcelona should go for him. I don't know the financial situation in the club, but if you could sign, let's say, Gabriel Deck until the end of the season, it wouldn't require too many uh, finances obviously other clubs would be going for him as well but for Barca it would be perfect he's a player that you don't have to ask him to do things on the court he does them he plays tough basketball I think he would fit shot a system and post a
0: player should another another
1: post-up player. And I can definitely imagine these lineups where they go big and Gabriel Deck is a small forward. You have Mirotic as a power forward. Brandon Davis at center. They're switching on defense. And it makes perfect sense. Dante Exum, I don't know. Maybe it's a short-term solution. I don't know what he can bring to this team uh, if, if, if we would expect him to become uh, their player for a longer period of time. But Gabriel Deck. If you can sign him even for three years, it would be great. It would be perfect. I remember him in Madrid, before leaving for NBA. He was he was amazing. Actually, other players, I, f- I believe, they hated playing against Gabriel Deck because he just couldn't handle his physicality.
0: I've heard that he was unhappy in Madrid for some reason, and it was one of the m- reasons why he decided to leave Madrid during the season and to join OKC, uh, and. What is interesting about Gabriel Deck? That's what I, where I actually was heading to asking this question about uh, Barcelona, that he's on non guaranteed contract with OKC, and until January tenth, uh, OKC can terminate the contract and uh, just to let him go. And there are rumors that probably you remember reports in summer that there was something between Barça and Gabriel Deck, and even to this day I hear that. If Gabriel Deck is returning to Europe, which is very likely, I don't see many NBA teams interested in Gabriel Deck. I I I can see him very su- as very successful EuroLeague player. I don't see that happening in NBA. Uh but there are rumors that if he's returning to Europe, there is there might be there even might be some agreement between Barça and Gabriel Deck already that if you return to Europe, Barça is waiting for you and this is where you play. I also don't know the financial conditions I can only imagine that maybe until the end of the season he would pay for less and probably it should be something in that contract, you know, to to raise the the money for the next and for, for the other uh, seasons. That would make a lot of sense. And I actually don't see Gabriel Deck staying in OGC this year. There's, he was already assigned no to the G League. And even his head coach, Mark Dynald, Dynald told that, he's a really good post uh, player, then that's not how we play typically. Which means this Oklahoma, is just the wrong player Oklahoma for our team. Oklahoma is
1: a team that's that's tanking. They're playing for nothing. And if you're not getting minutes on and that roster, terrible. you need to get out of there as soon as possible.
0: He appeared in six yeah. games, averaged two points in seven minutes. That just doesn't make sense for Gabriel there. We know that Charas
1: wanted Nikola Kalinic. So now, searching for a Player with a similar profile, you will not find anyone better than Gabriel Deck, and he might
0: become available
1: in the coming weeks. So that's the that would be a
0: game changer, really, for Barca. Amazing adjustment, yeah. You know, what and I don't think
1: they would need anything else. No, 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 Higgins I will get back, Kalaitis will get back, even Abrinas will, will yeah, get and back. they are doing
0: good. So they, yeah. they have no need to make uh, any drastic adjustments. Yeah, they're leading
1: still in the standings, of course. They're now play facing Madrid, so one of these teams will prevail. Um, now they're second in the Spanish league after they lost to Basconia, but I wouldn't pay too much attention to that loss because um, Barca players were just too tired after Istanbul, so they just
0: lost it at home. But that's not a problem. And you know another great EuroLeague player who is struggling in the NBA at the moment? Kevin Pangos. What do you think about scenario where Zenit would be pushing hard to bring Kempangos back, especially when you see Shabazz Napier still being out with his injury. And as far as what I heard, he's not very close uh, to coming back, which means maybe he's weeks away from returning and stuff. And especially in the game against Zvezda, we saw once again how desperately they need a real point guard, even though the fifth place they're at right now is crazy regarding it's the conditions to they me. are
1: at. It's amazing to me. That but looking forward, so they need well. a point guard. Kevin Pangos, yeah, of course. He knows Xavi Pasqual. He knows the environment. He wouldn't need much time to settle. You could play him straight away. But I think if, if there is a possibility of signing Kevin Pangos, they should face competition from Moscow. Mm. I yeah, think they should the also go for Kevin Pangos. Ideally... But it's not possible, I think, because of the finances. Kevin Pangos would be a perfect signing for Bosconia.
0: Okay. He would
1: solve the Wade Baldwin issue and everything else. Uh, They signed Lamar Peters, who is a baller, but I'm not sure if he's a EuroLeague material. He's still very young. He's learning, obviously, Uh, but they're now dependent on Jason Granger who is a veteran and they started playing through their bigs through Steven Enoch Um, actually for Bosconia I wanted to talk about them a little bit so just a few remarks Uh, maybe now the Spanish league is more important than the Euroleague they need to be in the top eight uh, uh, to qualify for the Copa del Rey they obviously want to be in the playoffs of the ACB league the Euroleague maybe. Maybe they're thinking that actually it's slipping away from them and they need to focus on the Spanish league, which would make sense. But if Basconia could have Kevin Pangos, wow, they would be a much better team. They would be a competitive team. They could actually still try to make a run for the playoffs. But just as you said... If the competition is between Zenit and, and, and it's a Ská, I don't think no it's possible. I don't think it's possible for Bosconia to sign somebody like Pango's.
0: But I'm afraid that the move, which is needed by Bosconia, is to get rid of Wade Baldwin. Mm. The way the approach he brings to the team, I think it was bad from the day one, and especially even after the coaching change, I don't see let's say mental changes in that team the picture in kaunas was just terrible there were some terrible possessions where you can see players arguing uh, in game time situations on the offense taking ridiculous shots like waving very bad body language they still only lost by 4 and which is also uh, which kind
1: of says something about Ralgiris more than about baskonia
0: yeah but i mean i don't think that's that's a good um uh, connection Basconian Wade Baldwin, and once again, I feel very, uh, I feel huge respect for Andrea Trinchieri, You know, implementing Wade Baldwin and his team, uh, making team happy, making the EuroLeague playoffs, and being so competitive as he was before. Because we can witness that Wade Baldwin, as talented as he is, he's a difficult player to deal with. And Olympiacos were struggling a lot uh, with two different coaches. And then uh, Dusko was struggling a lot. Baskonia team is struggling a lot with him. So I probably I, I think that they just need to terminate this player to to improve their situation.
1: I agree, but the thing is that usually it's not so easy to get out of a contract with a player that is maybe the most expensive player on this roster. Maybe not the most, Could but be. top three.
0: But when you sign away Bolvin, I think that you have to put some. Uh, safe options, you know, yeah. to terminate deal so the deal during the season. The
1: mistake was made already. I'm not sure is there a way out of this. Uh maybe you will have to keep Wade Baldwin, but if you could sign a point guard still the team would function a lot better. And uh, but when they brought Lamar Peters, I'm thinking that maybe they don't have that much money to actually yeah. sign someone very good. So well it is what it is. But one thing I would say um about Nevins Spakia Uh, When he came back to the EuroLeague, he signed for Bosconia. He replaced Dusko Ivanovic. We thought, well, again, they're going for a very strict, old-school European coach. But I'm watching their games, um, not only in the EuroLeague, also in the Spanish League. Uh, The timeouts are broadcasted. You see his TV interviews. Sort of like a different person. He's way back. After his years in Atlanta, in Memphis he's communicating with his players he's so calm he's just saying all these things always talking about their confidence saying just be calm take your shots it's like a different Evans spaki it's not the croatian tyrant i remember from from the days in vilnius or, or or the later days in istanbul in in vitoria and other european clubs in maccabi so once again, this, this proves, like we talked about Ergin Ataman, how he changed his approach, and Neven Spach, he also seems like he's different. The NBA has influence on on people, and when you spend three or four years in that environment, you learn a lot, and you try to do these things differently in, in, in Europe.
0: As well. They lost yeah. four of five, and if not that William Howard miracle, it would be five-game losing streak. Uh, do you think they are missing something? No. I think they are right where they belong. I mean,
1: they're not... Our colleagues ask
0: teams. us to, you know, to have some more confrontation uh, yeah. situations, to make conflicts, to to find topics where we could have different opinions. But my God, in this case, I also can only agree with you. I think that it's just a matter of Chris Jones and uh, Elio Kobo uh, performance because... Their numbers dropped significantly. Uh, for example, Chris Jones is now averaging only 11 points per game on 15% three-point shooting. Okobo, 17 points per game on 38% three-point shooting and 37% 2 point shooting. Before, they were like uh, Jones, 16 on 46 three-point shooting and Okobo, almost 20 on 65 two-point and 53 three-point shooting. And the thing is that since they faced some really good defensive presence, the numbers dropped Uh, significantly, and that's why Asfield lost, and it makes a lot of sense because they're just too dependent from them, and it's logical because this team was built on them. They're not a playoff team. And yeah, and (laughs) they won't continue like that all season long, so that's what you could expect.
1: With the start of the season that they had, of course the expectations increase a lot, but
0: but we knew that that you you don't want them to be in top eight. And they lost against good teams. Yeah. Zvezda, Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Bayern Munich, they're improving. So everything that's a logical outcome. Is
1: okay and it once again it is a club with a limited budget. It's not like they're winning games and then Tony Parker is thinking wow, we have a shot this year to make the playoffs, so let's sign two expensive players in the middle of the season. It's not going to happen. Everything is okay. T.J. Parker is doing a great job. Uh, Elio Cobo is young. It was impossible for him to keep these numbers and these performances throughout the whole year. Uh, now, David Lighty is quite kind of an important player for them. He's always injured. They signed a replacement. They signed a veteran guard, Marcus Knight, who played in Monaco last year. So they signed what they could with their financial abilities on the market. Everything is fine. I don't have any worries for Asville whether they finish 12th or 14th in the end of the season. There are so many positives to take from this season and there are still so many games left to play.
0: Yeah, and then ninth seed. Actually, they have same yeah. record like uh, Unix uh, and Maccabi and they're 7, 8 and n So they don't need to change anything and I don't think they will. No, no, no. They're just not capable of. Uh, let's finish our part with uh, going through some teams very shortly. Do you have some short solutions for some teams? For example, I can start with Unix, Kazan and the main thing they have to do avoid signings like Yanis Tima. <laughs> please, please, guys. And I think that they had a good lesson because they terminated... uh, Okay, the contract was for one month and with an option to continue uh, for the rest of the season. But they parted ways after three weeks, which is a bit weird. Probably there were some reasons behind that. But anyway, just stay away from players like Yanis Tima because you need glue guys. You have OG Mayo already, okay, so just calm down. Don't need any other... Do not sign Isaiah Thomas. Although he's begging for a contract, of course, in the NBA, but I think that sooner than later he will be the early player uh, one day. But just avoid all these signings, unless it's a glue guy. Because you're doing really good at the moment. So just l- keep it that way.
1: I think they're just one center away from making the playoffs. I ju- uh, if you don't like Tony Adjikiri? I like Tony Adjikiri, but he is
0: limited. And he's like... I'm just asking because I love uh, John Brown, so...
1: Yeah, but John Brown, I could see him playing as a power forward and... Especially when
0: Unix plays such a big lineups. Yeah. That would make sense.
1: Tonya Jekiri is okay. I, I don't have a problem with him. It's just that you need to have two good centers. And if they could have another center, that would be, I think, the, the last piece of the puzzle that could actually bring them to the playoffs. That's it. Everything else is working. Belimir Perasovic is doing a good job. They surprisingly are a good defensive team. They're leading the EuroLeague in steals. I yeah, think the size uh, helps them a lot. And they're playing this, like, American defense, I would say, when they're going for steals a lot, jumping in the passing lanes, uh, just...
0: Eric Petinos defense
1: ha <laughs> <laughs> <Pitino's> even <laughs> deflections it's all about deflections
0: I miss him you know <laughs> making all these box score analysis yeah. my god he was great okay. yeah
1: so th- that's it about unix oh other teams um well Olympiakos Maccabi, o- your Maccabi Olympiacos are doing good but they could do better if Barzokas actually would throw out his uh, rotation but that's the Sheets. way he is. <laughs> Maybe that's,
0: that's that's why they're winning games also. Okay,
1: they're 9-4, of course. <laughs> Let's not criticize yeah, them. They're
0: first seed. Uh,
1: what you said, Maccabi. Maccabi is another team that could do with a pure point guard. A Kevin Pangos type of guy also for them would mean a lot. Um, but since you already have a I lot think. of players in these in, in, in this position, you have those combo guards you're playing with. Some players would be unhappy if you you would bring another point guard. Other than that, I think they're fine. Um, James Nunnally's numbers dropped a little bit, but maybe it's because of other teams started reading and analyzing more the way Coach Fairopoulos is using him. Um, They lost now three games in a row. I would say that they were really unlucky to lose in Madrid. They were leading. They could have won against Real uh, also against Alba in in Germany, they could have won that. I think it's okay. Maccabi, for me, they are still uh, a borderline playoff team. I could see them being the
0: eighth seed,
1: or maybe at the end they will be lacking like one or two victories. So,
0: I remember they were kind of close of signing Thomas walkup uh, in summer, Sorry, yeah. and you can only imagine. What a kind of a game changer it would be that next to Scott Wilbekin. It would be the yeah. perfect uh, backcourt for Maccabi. And
1: instead, he signed Keenan Evans, right?
0: Because Walkup uh, went yeah. to
1: Olympiakos, and, and they also added Cameron Taylor. Yes, for for, for me, Scotty Wilbekin, he could benefit from having a true floor general
0: on the court, and a lockdown defender, as yeah, Thomas, Thomas Volkop is. Thomas Walkup is an amazing defender, so. We will actually discuss some hypothetical trade scenarios next week because uh, between rounds 16 and 18, Euroleague teams can change. Uh, EuroLeague players can change teams yeah. because after that, in the end of December, if you leave the League team, you're not able to... Okay, you can't you can sign with a, another EuroLeague club, but you can uh, only play in the domestic championship. Yeah, you cannot yeah, stay yeah. in the League. So the next week, we will discuss uh, all these... Crazy, illogical uh, trade scenarios for the Euroleague teams. I think that podcast also would be very intriguing. And actually, we we covered most of the teams.
1: Some others, I have really nothing to say about. Let's 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 for wait. Example, let's r- be patient. For example, let's say Real Madrid. What could you offer to them? It's going great. Actually, players are getting back. Trey Tompkins is getting back. Anthony Randolph is getting back. So, and and there are others that. You could say that they don't need to change anything. They just need to trust the process. For example, Bayern Munich. They started the yeah. season having some difficulties, uh, but yeah. when Vladimir Lucic came back, did not have six wins. Of course, yeah, Darren Hillert six is had six injured. Six wins in nine games. Yeah. So that's Darren a, that's Hillert okay. is injured. It's a problem, but but they're okay. Zvezda, so the five and eight. Okay, they started better than they are right now, but. It's not a team that is built for Final Four or anything like that. They're doing what they can do, playing to their strengths. So, some of these teams they just did a good job in the summer and they don't need much.
0: Yeah, and some of these teams are just helpless at the current. Unfortunately,
1: situation. yes. Unfortunately, those two green and white c- clubs. I don't think there is a solution for them to save to save this season.
0: Yeah, and just before the podcast, we we talked how different it would be if we would have a playing scenario with 12 teams qualifying. Uh, And now you have Jalgiris with three wins, and they would be only two wins away from making the, let's say, eight finals of the playoffs. Yeah,
1: The problem with the current format is obvious. In the second part of the season, we will see too many meaningless games. And you would like to see every game in the EuroLeague being competitive and meaningful. So a play-in tournament, I don't know, money for a single victory, something to improve the current format because only eight teams from 18 making the playoffs, it's not as it doesn't make
0: sense. It must be on uh, the agenda of the new EuroLeague uh, CEO.
1: At the very least, the 10th spot should mean something. Mm-hmm. Being in a top 10 should mean something. Whether it's a playing tournament between 7th mm-hmm. through 10th or yeah, something, I least. don't know. But, yeah. Uh, because we all want to watch the EuroLeague when the games mean something. And now, uh, I'm getting used to watching some of these games in the second part of the season when, let's say, Žalgiris will face Powell in Oaka. Well... What's that about?
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's just another topic. I'm just looking at the regular season last year. And, yeah, for example, Pantnaykos, Vesda, they were nine games away from the playoff picture. Alba Berlin, 15. They were eight games away. 14, Osville, seven games away from the playoffs. Maccabi, yeah. even Maccabi, 13 plays, six games away from the playoffs. And
1: another thing, there's no relegation or promotion yeah. system. Which which would mean that if you're last or seventeenth as well, you're getting relegated. So there, you have to fight for survival. No, there's no such thing. You have the A license. You're gonna stay in the Euroleague. You're safe. So yeah, these games become meaningless. In the NBA, there are many meaningless games in the in the regular season, but it's a different system which which uh, works on dr- and yeah, it's based on drafts. Drafts, yeah. yeah. You don't have drafts in Europe, and it's not possible to have it. So, I hope that well, now that uh, people in the front office in the EuroLeague are changing, will be changing soon. They will
0: raise these questions. Okay, that's all, folks. Yeah, this time no fan mail. since the last episode uh, was like two or three weeks ago, uh, we decided not to include any of your questions because we didn't have any questions this time. <laughs> but we're waiting for your thoughts and questions uh, below our uh, YouTube video in the comment uh, section, and also probably we'll have to do something with Twitter uh, to, to let our fans uh, making questions. And we think could we'll
1: try q and A Q&A yeah. format uh, at some point.
0: Yeah. So. We'll see. Thanks for watching and continue us watching uh, on Basket News YouTube channel.